Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Do you love horror stories or weird fiction? Enter Maltopia, a new world of horror fiction. Maltopia is a podcast that features horror, dark fiction stories, and stories that take place in the same strange universe. Listen to the Shepherd of Wolves series, where a killer who uses the bones of his murdered family as weapons is lured into a dark and mysterious game. Discover the Lost Journals and Tome series, which explores the many strange events and people of Maltopia through first-person accounts. Or my favourite, The Weird Book Show, which examines the bizarre structures and history of Maltopia through the in-story podcast of its own. All series and stories intersect and influence each other, providing horror lovers an immersive experience sure to reach the top of their playlists. Just search for Maltopia, M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A, A New World of Horror, on your favourite podcast catcher. When I was a kid, my best friend lived next door. It was incredible, just like you see in the movies. His name was Benji and we were in the same year at school. Every morning I would go to his house and his dad would drive me, him and his little brother Sam to school. Me and Benji played together almost every day usually with a dollhouse-type thing from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sewer. Our parents were friends too, and one summer, when we were seven or eight, they built a gate between our yards so we didn't have to go out onto the street. The street we lived on had lots of little alleyways and such, and at least three or four kids were hit by cars every year. Yes, it was usually the kids' fault for not looking both ways or for playing in the street, but still. Our parents just thought it was safer for us to be able to go through our yards. All our friends were jealous. We would play Lord of the Rings and pretend that my yard was the Shire and his was Mordor. There was a huge pile of dirt at the bottom of his garden that we pretended was Mount Doom. We would climb to the top to throw the ring in. His parents would shout at us not to climb up there, but we did it anyway. I remember the morning everything went wrong, like it was yesterday. It was a few days before school finished for the Christmas break. 
Benji's mother found out she was pregnant a few weeks before and everything seemed perfect. I had been running a little late that morning and when I got to Benji's house ready to go to school, I saw his dad. He didn't even look at me. He was too busy wrestling Sam into his coat. I asked if Benji was upstairs, already edging towards the stairs, when his dad snapped up to look at me, all colour drained from his face. Isn't he at yours? he asked, looking panicked. I shook my head, unsure what to do. Benji did sometimes come to my house in the morning if he was ready before me, but I hadn't seen him that day. I hadn't seen him since the afternoon before. Benji's dad shouted out to his wife as he darted into the other room. Sam still sitting on the tabletop in the kitchen. It happened almost in slow motion, but it also seemed sped up. Sam wriggled a little and then he fell. Sam fell straight down, his head hitting the tile floor with a crunch. I still feel sick thinking about it. I think I screamed. It was a blur as Benji's dad ran back into the room and picked Sam up off the floor. There was blood, so much blood, and the top of his head was completely flat and he was gurgling. Sam would have only been around two at the time. And that was the first time I had seen an adult cry, and it scared me. It scared me enough that I ran home through the front door and into the street, instead of going through the back door and through the gate. My mother turned around in shock. She had expected me to be on my way to school. I must have looked a mess because she immediately picked me up and hugged me, taking me over to the kitchen table. She gently asked me what was wrong and told me not to cry. I was eight, so I knew vaguely what was going on, but I didn't realise how serious this all was. Benji's dad thought he was with me, but he wasn't, and he went to tell Benji's mum, but he left Sam on the table and he fell off. I gasped as I rambled on through tears. I suddenly realised that Sam wasn't going to be okay, and I could no longer hold it together. My mother went completely white, but she had always been a bit of a warrior. But then my mother left me. She went immediately over to their house, but I followed. I didn't want to be alone. She went straight in like we always did to find Benji's parents, Dan and Susie. They were on the floor holding Sam. Sam was still gurgling. It sounded a bit like when you drink from a bottle of Coke really quick. He was making the same noises as your stomach does. Looking at Sam made me feel sick. His white blonde hair was slicked back with blood and his eyes were pointing in different directions. 
My mother sprung into action and grabbed their landline to phone an ambulance. Where was Benji? My mother asked them softly. She knelt down so she was at eye level with the devastated parents. They told her they didn't know. The last they knew, he was sleeping over at my house and they hadn't seen him since he kissed them goodbye the evening before. Benji's dad, Dan, started to go into shock. I think this is when my mother phoned the police too. The ambulance arrived and sped off, taking Sam away with them. His parents followed in their car. I felt like they had forgotten all about Benji. The police arrived not too long after the ambulance. My mother told me they would go my mother told me they would go to the hospital to speak to Benji's parents. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. My mother kept me home from school the next day and the police spoke to me in my room that afternoon. They asked me if Benji and I were good friends and when was the last time I saw him. They spoke to me in the most condescending voice. Then they started to ask me questions that made me feel uncomfortable. They asked me if I'd ever seen Benji's parents do anything bad to him or Sam. I told them that sometimes they shouted at Benji really loud, but they never hit him or anything. They were really nice people. The police continued with their questions, questions that seemed to accuse Benji's parents of being abusive or neglectful, which wasn't true at all. The police searched the area for the next few days. They looked through Benji's room and they asked me more questions like if Benji would ever run away or anything like that. No, there is no way he would. It wouldn't be until three weeks later that I saw Dan and Susie again. They were getting out of a taxi and going into their home. I ran outside to talk to them. I really missed them. But they just went inside and shut the door in my face. I noticed that they came home without Sam, and Susie didn't look pregnant anymore. 
Looking back with my adult eyes, I think she must have had a miscarriage from the stress. But at the time, I just thought she had given the baby to someone else or something. That night, I was sitting on my bed reading when I noticed movement out of the window. It was Benji. He was standing by the gate and waving to get my attention. I was excited. My mother had kept me off school the last week before Christmas break, so I hadn't spoken to anyone outside of my family in what felt like forever. I ran downstairs and outside into my backyard, still in my purple Harry Potter pyjamas and Star Wars slippers. Where have you been, Benji? I tried to keep as quiet as possible. I didn't want my parents to know and they were only just inside the door watching TV. They would have only had to glance out the window to see me. I was helping Sam. Helping Sam do what? Benji shrugged and looked up at his house. It was in complete darkness. I hadn't seen his parents since they came home and there were no signs they were even in the house. I told him with a grin that I was so happy that he had come back. So am I. We just stood there, grinning at each other like idiots. Grinning until I heard a knock on the living room window. I turned and saw my dad in the window, looking super annoyed at me. I told Benji that I'd see him tomorrow and rushed back home. When I got there, Dad sounded more curious than angry. Curious as to why I was outside that late at night. I told him happily that Benji was back and that everything was going to go back to normal now. Mum and Dad exchanged a worried look. They told me that I was not allowed out there alone again and I definitely was not allowed to go and bother Benji's parents. I was confused, but okay. I agreed going back to bed without an argument. From my bedroom window, I could see Benji sitting on the pile of dirt in his backyard. I waved at him and he waved back before I settled down and went to sleep. The next week school started and Benji's parents sold their home and moved away. I came home from school one day to find the gate between our yards replaced by a concrete wall. I whined and I moaned to my parents, but they told me there was nothing they could do. The new owners were an elderly couple who hated kids, and they were too old to do much else but watch TV. They'd only lived there for a few weeks when I saw Benji again, still sitting on top of that dirt pile. I waved at him confused and he waved back. After this, I saw him a few times a month, just sitting there. It was always just before I had to go to bed, so I never got to talk to him and I never thought to mention it to my parents in the morning. 
As I got older, I all but forgot about Benji. I stopped seeing him when I was about 12, and I just assumed it was because his parents told him to stop coming over. By the time I was 18, I had grown up and forgotten about the boy I spent my entire childhood playing with. The elderly couple died when I was 19 and away at university. My parents told me about it on the phone, that the man had died in hospital and the woman had died in the house a few weeks later, that the house was left to their son who rarely bothered with it and pretty much just left it to rot. I finished with university at 22 and went to travel around Europe for six months before returning to Australia and moving in with a boy I had been on and off with throughout university. It didn't last. A year and a half later, I was back in my childhood bedroom. 24 and my independence was gone again. Look honestly though, I didn't mind it too much. It was nice to spend time with my parents again and reminisce about my childhood. A few months after I moved back home, I landed a job as a nurse in the home caring for mentally ill and physically disabled adults. It wasn't what I had been hoping for, but it was a job all the same. Now you wouldn't believe my shock when on the first day I was looking over the files of everyone there when I found Sam. I won't be giving last names just to protect the family. But I'd spent years thinking he was dead, so finding him there made my heart stop. I approached his room scared of what I might find. I know it sounds horrible, but... I would much rather remember him as a babbling, smiling toddler than the way I last saw him. I opened the door and walked in. He was in a wheelchair near the window. And even as I said hello, he didn't show that he heard or saw me. He looked just like the last time I saw him, but of course bigger and without all that blood. The top of his head was still unnaturally flat and his eyes were unfocused. I said hello to him again and it was like he didn't see me, like he wasn't even there, like he had left his body and wandered off. I didn't try to talk to him like that again. While I worked there, I treated him exactly like everyone else. I'd rambled to him while changing, feeding, washing him and then move on to the next person like I had never known him. When Dan and Susie came to visit him for the first time since I'd been there, almost three months after my first day, they didn't recognise me. I had to explain to them who I was and I saw pain flash in their eyes. Though they did smile at me politely and asked me what I had been up to. I told them about university and travelling and the boy and they nodded along and asked me a few questions. I finished telling them about me. I asked them what Benji had been up to. I was excited to hear what cool adventures my childhood friend had been on. 
I thought Susie was about to cry and I was immediately confused. Benji went missing the night before Sam's accident. They hadn't seen him since. The police couldn't find him. Wait, wait. I struggled to take in this information, but I mumbled my apologies and just quickly left Sam's room. My mind was racing. I definitely had seen Sam in his yard all those years ago. I remembered him so vividly. Had he somehow been living nearby and coming back to visit me? Had he actually run away like the police first thought? Nothing seemed to make sense. I finished my shift early and went back home. My parents had not long retired and they'd gone out for a meal together when I got home, so I headed straight up to my room. Looking out of my window, I was barely even surprised to see Benji sitting on the top of the dirt. He was still a little kid. He hadn't aged at all. I went outside with a stepladder so I would be able to peer over the wall that still stood strong to separate us. You're back. I could see his smiling face as I popped my head over the wall. I don't understand. I shook my head in confusion. He looked real and solid. Nothing like the ghosts you see in films. At this point, I was sure he was a ghost. How else could he have stayed the same? Tell them to search the yard. I heard a door slam in my house and I glanced up at it. When I looked back, Benji was gone. I ran straight up the stairs to grab my phone. I just dialed the emergency number when I heard a giggle. I recognised it but couldn't quite place it. I turned around and saw Sam standing in the hallway. But not the Sam I saw every day at work. It was baby Sam with the round head and the focused eyes and that cute smile. He ran up the hallway and out of sight. I knew there was no point in following him. I knew he would be gone by the time I got there. I gave the police an anonymous tip that there was a body in the backyard at number 55 Harris Street. I watched from my window as the police and forensics showed up at the abandoned house. I watched them start from one corner of the yard to the other with their little machines and sniffer dogs, trying to figure out if there was a body there or not. They pulled out the body of a little boy and they knew straight away who it was. A plastic ring, painted gold, was still on his hand. Apparently he hadn't managed to throw it in Mount Doom before the dirt started to slide and he was buried underneath it all. The police asked whoever gave the tip to get in touch, but I just got a new SIM card and pretended I didn't know how they found out about Benji. I haven't seen Benji or Sam since. 
Sometimes I wonder if I told my mother, if I'd eaten dinner later or invited Benji, if any of this would have happened. He would have come in with me and eaten dinner with me and then ran home safely. Dan wouldn't have left Sam on the table ready to fall and stop being himself. I have two kids of my own now, two little boys. They are only one and three, but sometimes when they are babbling or when they are playing together, I'm sure I hear the names, Benji and Sam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.